are listening to the most original talk radio station anywhere. We are L.A. Talk Radio at latalkradio.com. You can support Sapphire Planet by visiting the online store at sapphireplanet.com. Welcome. Your journey is just beginning. You are now entering the Sapphire Planet. You are now in the Sapphire Planet. The Voyager spacecraft is an American scientific program that launched two unmanned space missions. The probes Voyager 1 and Voyager 2. These were launched in 1977 to take advantage of a favorable alignment of the planets during the late 1970s. Although they were designated officially to study just the planetary systems of Jupiter and Saturn, the space probes were able to continue their mission. On August 25, 2012, Voyager 1 became the first human-made object to enter the previously unexplored regions of space known as interstellar space, traveling farther than anyone or anything in history. Voyager 2 is expected to enter interstellar space within a few years of the year 2016, and its plasma spectrometer should provide the first direct measurements of the density and temperature of the interstellar plasma. As of the year 2013, the probe was moving with a relative velocity to the sun of 17 kilometers per second, or 11 miles per second. The amount of power available to the probe has decreased over time and will no longer be able to power any single instrument by the year 2025. Both the Voyager missions into outer space have gathered large amounts of data about the gas giants of the solar system 
and their orbiting satellites, about which little has been previously known. In addition, the trajectories of the two spacecraft have been used to place limits on the existence of any hypothetical trans-Neptunian planets. Data and photographs collected by the Voyager cameras, magnometers, and other instruments revealed previously unknown details about each of the giant planets and their moons. Close-up images from the spacecraft charted Jupiter's complex cloud forms, winds, and storm systems, and discovered volcanic activity on its moon Io. Saturn's rings were found to have igmatic braids, kinks, and spokes to be accompanied by a myriad of ringlets. At Uranus, Voyager 2 discovered a substantial magnetic field around the planet and 10 additional moons. Its flyby of Neptune uncovered three complete rings and six unknown moons, as well as a planetary magnetic field and complex with widely distributed auroras. These two space probes were built at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory in Southern California and were paid for by NASA, which also paid for the launching from Cape Canaveral, Florida, their tracking, and everything else concerning the space probes. The Voyager space probes were originally conceived as part of the Mariner program, and they were thus named Mariner 11 and Mariner 12, respectively. They were then moved into a separate program named Mariner Jupiter Saturn, later renamed the Voyager program, because it was thought that the design of these two space probes had progressed sufficiently above those of the Mariner family that they merited a separate name. The Voyager program is essentially a scaled-back version of our program Grand Tour of the Outer Planets planned during the late 1960s and early 1970s. Gary Flandro, an aerospace engineer employed at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory on the study team, discovered that the alignment of the outer planets would make it possible to use gravitational assists from Jupiter to go to Saturn and thence onto Uranus and Neptune. The plan of the Grand Tour was to send several pairs of probes to fly by all the outer planets, including Pluto, along various trajectories, including Jupiter, Saturn, Pluto, and Jupiter Uranus, Neptune. 
The major plans for the Grand Tour were dramatically scaled back because of lack of money appropriated by Congress. In the end, the Voyager program fulfilled many of the flyby objectives of the Grand Tour, accepting any mission to Pluto and dual missions to Uranus and Neptune. Of the two space probes of the Voyager program, Voyager 2 was launched first. Its trajectory was designed to take advantage of an unusual alignment of the planets that occurs once every 177 years. That allowed one space probe to fly by Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune, if of course everything went well. Of course, in case of a serious malfunction, such as in all the space probe's radio transmitters or receivers, then that would have been the end of the long mission to four planets. Since there was not a second probe to fill the gap, that was the gamble that NASA and JPL were forced to take. Voyager 1 was launched after its sister probe, but along a shorter and faster trajectory that sent it to Jupiter and Saturn sooner, but at the cost of not visiting any more of the outer planets. Voyager 1 also had the high priority mission of making a close flyby of the Saturnian moon Titan, which was known to be quite large and to possess a dense atmosphere very much worth studying. During the 1990s, Voyager 1 overtook the slower deep space probes Pioneer 10 and Pioneer 11 to become the most distant man-made object from Earth, a record that it will keep for the foreseeable future. Even the faster at its launch, New Horizons space probe will not pass it since the final speed of the New Horizons, after maneuvering within the solar system, will be less than the current speed of Voyager 1. Voyager 1 and Pioneer 10 are the most widely separated man-made objects anywhere, since they are traveling in roughly opposite directions from the solar system. Periodic contact has been maintained with Voyager 1 and Voyager 2 to monitor conditions in the outer expenses of the solar system. The radi radioactive power sources of both spacecraft are still producing significant amounts of electrical power as of 2012, keeping them operational, and it is hoped that this will allow the heliopause of the solar system to be located and investigated. In the late 2003, Voyager 1 began sending data that seemed to indicate that it had crossed the termination shock, but interpretations of this data are in dispute, and it was later believed that the termination shock was crossed in December 2004, with the heliopause remaining an unknown distance ahead.
On December 10, 2007, instruments on board Voyager 2 sent back to Earth indicating that the solar system is asymmetrical. It had also reached the termination shock about 10 million, 10 billion miles from where Voyager 1 first crossed it, and it is traveling outward at roughly an astounding 3.3 astronomical units per year. Do not forget that an astronomical unit is the distance from the Earth to the Sun, or approximately 93 million miles. In August 2009, Voyager 1 was over 16.5 terameters, that's 16.5 times 10 to the 12th meters, or 16.5 times 10 to the 9th kilometers, or 110 astronomical units, or 10 billion miles from the Sun, and thus had entered the heliosheath region between the solar wind's termination shock and the heliopause. And remember, the heliopause is the limit of the sun's solar wind. Beyond the heliopause is the bow shock of the interstellar medium, beyond which the probes enter interstellar space and the Sun's gravitational influence on them is exceeded by that of the Milky Way galaxy in general. At the heliopause, light from the Sun takes over 16 hours to reach the probe. By December 2010, Voyager Run had reached the region of space where there was no net velocity of the solar wind. At this point, the wind from the sun may be canceled out by interstellar wind. It does not appear that the spacecraft has yet crossed the helio sheath into interstellar space at that time. On June 10, 2011, scientists studying the Voyager data Notice what might be giant magnetic bubbles located in the heliosphere, the region of our solar system that separates us from the silent, violent solar winds of interstellar space. The bubbles, scientists theorize, form when the magnetic field of the sun becomes warped at the edge of our solar system. On June 15, 2012, scientists at NASA reported that Voyager 1 might be very close to entering interstellar space and becoming the first man-made object to leave the inner solar system. On September 12, 2013, NASA announced that Voyager 1 have crossed the heliopause and entered interstellar space on August 25, 2012, making it the first man-made object to do so. Let's think about that for a moment. Mankind will go on 
Yet the Voyager 1 spacecraft will go on even longer outside of our solar system into interstellar space. The Voyager spacecraft weighs 770 kilograms. Of this, 105 kilograms are scientific instruments. The identical Voyager spacecraft use three axis stabilized guidance systems that use gyroscopic and accelerometer inputs to their attitude control computers to point their high gain antennas towards the earth and their scientific instruments pointed towards their targets sometimes with the help of a movable instrument platform for the smaller instruments and the electronic photography system The high grain antenna with a 3.66 meter diameter dish attached to the holodeckal electronic container. There's also a spherical tank that contains the hydrolyzed monopropellant fuel. The Voyager Golden Record is attached to one of the bus sides. The angled square panel is of the optical calibration target and an excess heat radiator. The three radioisotope thermoelectric generators are mounted end-to-end -end on the lower boom. The scan platform comprises the infrared interferometer spectrometer, the ultraviolet spectrometer, the two imaging science subsystems, Viticon cameras to the UVS, and the photopolymeter system. Only five investigation teams are still supported, though data is collected for two additional instruments. The flight data subsystem and a single eight-track digital tape recorder provide the data handling function. The flight data subsystem configures each instrument and controls instrument operations. It also collects engineering and science data and formats the data for transmission. The digital tape recorder is used to record high-rate plasma wave subsystems data. The data is played back every six months. The Imaging Science Subsystem, made up of wide-angle and narrow-angle camera, is a modified version of the slow-scan Viticon camera designs that were each used in the earlier Mariner flights. The Imaging Science Subsystem consists of two television-type cameras, each with eight filters, in a commandable filter wheel mounted in front of the Viticons. One has a low-resolution 200-millimeter wide-angle lens with an aperture of f3, the wide-angle camera, while the other uses a higher-resolution 1500-meter narrow-angle f.8.5 lens as the narrow-angle camera.
Unlike the other onboard instruments, the operation of the cameras for visible light is not autonomous, but rather it is controlled by an imaging parameter table contained in one of the onboard digital computers. The flight data subsystem, the more recent space probes since about 1990, usually have completely autonomous cameras. The computer command subsystem controls the cameras. The computer command subsystem contains fixed computer programs such as command decoding, fault detection, and correction routines, antenna pointing routines, and spacecraft sequencing routines. This computer is an improved version of the one that was used in the Viking orbiter. The hardware in both custom-built computer command subsystems in the Voyager is identical. There is only minor software modifications for one of them that has a scientific subsystem the other lacks. The altitude and articulation control subsystems control the spacecraft orientation, its attitude. It keeps the high gain antenna pointing towards the Earth, controls attitude changes, and points the scan platform. The custom-built attitude and articulation control subsystem on both aircraft are identical. The uplink communications are executed via S-band microwave communications. The downlink communications are carried out by an X-band microwave transmitter on board the spacecraft with an S-band transmitter as a backup. All long-range communications to and from the two Voyagers have been carried out using their 3.66 meter high gain antennas. Because of the inverse square law in radio communications, the digital data rates used in the downlinks from the Voyagers have been continually decreasing the farther they get from Earth. For example, the data rate used from Jupiter was about 115,000 bits per second. That was halved at the distance of Saturn and it's gone down continuously since. Some measures were taken on the ground along the way to reduce the effects of the inverse square law. Between 1982 and 1985, the diameters of the three main parabolic dish antennas of the Deep Space Network were increased from 240 to 270 feet, dramatically increasing the areas for gathering weak microwave signals. Then between 1986 and 1989, new techniques were brought into play to combine the signals from multiple antennas on the ground into one more powerful signal in a kind of antenna array. This was done at Goldstone, California, Canterbury, Australia, and Madrid, Spain, using the additional dish antennas available there. Also in Australia, the Parkes radio telescope was brought into the array in time for the flyby of Neptune in 1989. In the United States, the very large array in New Mexico was brought into temporary use along with the antennas of the Deep Space Network at Goldstone. Using this new technology of antenna arrays helped to compensate for the immense radio distance 
from Neptune to the Earth. Electrical power is supplied by three radioisotope thermoelectric generators, or RTGs. They are powered by plutonium-238. This is distinct and different from plutonium-239 isotope used in nuclear weapons and provides approximately 470 watts at 30 volts DC when the spacecraft was launched. Plutonium-238 decays with a half-life of 87 years. So, radioisotope thermoelectric generators using plutonium-238 will lose a factor of one to a half of their power output per year. In 2011, 34 years after the launch, such an RTG would inherently produce 470 watts at 2 watts or approximately 76% of its initial power. Additionally, the thermocouples that convert heat into electricity also degrade, reducing the available power below this calculated level. By October 7, 2011, the power generated by Voyager 1 and Voyager 2 had dropped to 267 watts and 269 watts respectively, about 57% of the power at launch. The level of power output was better than pre-launch predictions based on a conservative thermocouple degradation model. As the electrical power decreases, spacecraft loads must be turned off, eliminating some capabilities. What was the primary Voyager mission? The primary Voyager mission was completed in 1989 with the close flyby of Neptune by Voyager 2. The Voyager Interstellar Mission is a mission extension which began when the two spacecraft had already been in flight for over 12 years. The Heliophysics Division of NASA Science Mission Directorate conducted a Heliophysics Senior Review in 2008 the panel found that the Voyager Interstellar Mission is a mission that is absolutely imperative to continue and that VIM funding near the optimal level and increased deep space network support is warranted. As of the present date, the Voyager 2 and Voyager 1 scan platforms including all the platform instruments, have been powered down. The ultraviolet spectrometer on Voyager 1 was active until the year 2003, when it too was deactivated. Gyro operations will end in 2015 for Voyager 2 and 2016 for Voyager 1. Gyro operations are used to rotate the probe 360 degrees 
six times per year to measure the magnetic field of the spacecraft, which is then subtracted from the magnometer science data. The two Voyager spacecraft continue to operate with some loss and subsystem redundancy, but retain the capability of returning scientific data from a full complement of Voyager interstellar mission science instruments. Both spacecraft have also have adequate electrical power and attitude control propellant to continue operating till around the year 2025, after which there may not be available electrical power to support science instrument operations. At that time, science data will return and spacecraft operations will cease. The telemetry comes from the telemetry model unit, or TMU, separately as a low-rate low rate 40 bit per second channel and a high-rate channel. Low-rate telemetry is routed through the TMU such that it can only be downlinked as encoded bits. In other words, there is no error correction. At high rate, one of the set of rates between 10 bits and 115 bits is downlinked as coded symbols. It is understood there is substantial overlap in telemetry, but the simpler data does not have the resolution of the more advanced telemetry, at least when it comes to representing available electrical to subsystems. So similar behaviors are expected elsewhere. Voyager 1 and Voyager 2 both carry with them a golden record that contains pictures and sounds of Earth, along with symbolic directions for playing the record and data detailing the location of Earth. The record is intended as a combination time capsule and interstellar message to any civilization, alien, or far future human that may recover either of the Voyager craft the contents of this record were selected by a committee that included Carl Sagan. The Voyager's program discoveries during the primary phase of his mission include never-before-seen close-up color photos of major planets, were regularly documented by both print and electronic media outlets. Among the best known of these is an image of the Earth as a pale blue dot taken in 1990 by Voyager 1 and popularized by Carl Sagan. Each Voyager space probe carried that golden plate audiovisual disc in the event that either spacecraft is ever found by intelligent life. The disc carries photos of the Earth and its life forms, a range of scientific information, spoken greetings from people such as the Secretary General of the United Nations and the President of the United States, and a medley, sounds of Earth that included the sounds of whales, a baby crying, 
Waves Breaking on a Shore, and a collection of music, including works by Mozart, Blind Willie Johnson, Chuck Berry's Johnny Be Good, Vaya Balenskia, and other Eastern and Western classics and ethnic performers. Voyager 1 was constructed by the Jet Propulsion Laboratory. It has 16 hydrazine thrusters, three axis stabilization gyroscopes, and referencing instruments, sun sensor, cannabisar's trucker, to keep the probe's radio antenna pointed towards Earth. Collectively, these instruments are part of the attitude and articulation control subsystems along with redundant units of most instruments and eight backup thrusters. The spacecraft, Voyager 1, also included 11 scientific instruments to study terrestrial objects, such as planets, as it travels. The radio communication system of Voyager 1 was designed to be used up to and beyond the limits of the solar system. The communication system includes a 3.6 meter diameter parabolic dish high-gain antenna to send and receive radio waves via the deep space network stations on Earth. Voyager 1 normally transmits data to Earth over deep space network channel 18. Using a frequency of either 2296.481 megahertz or 8420.432 megahertz while a signal from Earth to Voyager are broadcast on 2114.6766 megahertz. When Voyager 1 is unable to communicate directly with Earth, its digital tape recorders can record up to 69 kilobits of data for transmission at another time. As of 2013, signals from the Voyager, Voyager 1 that is, take over 17 hours to reach the planet Earth. Voyager 1 began photographing Jupiter in January 1979. Its closest approach to Jupiter was on March 5, 1979, at a distance of about 349,000 kilometers, or 217,000 miles, from the planet's center. That's closer than the Earth to the Moon. Because of the greater photographic resolution allowed by a closer approach, most observation of moons, rings, magnetic fields, and the radiation belt environment of the Jovian system were made during the 48-hour period that bracketed the closest approach. Voyager 1 finished photographing the Jovian system in April 1979. The two Voyager space probes made a number of important discoveries about Jupiter, its satellites, its radiation belts, and its never-before-seen planetary rings. The most surprising discovery in the Jovian system was the existence of volcanic activity on the moon Io, 
which had not been observed either by ground or by the Tynear 10 or Pioneer 11 spacecraft. The gravitational assist trajectories of Jupiter were successfully carried out by both voyagers, and the two spacecrafts went on to visit Saturn and its systems of moons and rings. Voyager 1's Saturn flyby occurred in November of 1980, with the closest approach on November 12, 1980, when the space probe came within 124,000 kilometers or 77,000 miles of Saturn's cloud tops. The space probe's cameras detected complex structures in the rings of Saturn, and its remote sensing instruments studied the atmospheres of Saturn and its giant moon, Titan. Because Pioneer 11 had, one year earlier, detected a thick, gaseous atmosphere over Titan, the Voyager space probe's controllers at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory elected for Voyager 1 to make a close approach of Titan and, of necessity, end its grand tour there. Its trajectory with a close flyby of Titan caused an extra gravitational deflection that sent Voyager 1 out of the plane of the elliptic, thus ending its planetary science mission. Voyager 1 could have been commanded onto a different trajectory, whereby the gravitational slingshot effect of Saturn's mass would have steered and boosted Voyager 1 out to a flyby of Pluto. However, this Plutonian option was not exercised because the other trajectory that led to the close flyby of Titan was decided to have more scientific value and less risk. On February 14, 1990, Voyager 1 took the first ever family portrait of the solar system as seen from the outside, which includes the famous image of the planet Earth known as the pale blue dot. Soon afterwards, its cameras were deactivated to conserve power and computer resources for other equipment. Camera software had been removed from the spacecraft so it now would be complex to get them working again. Also, Earth-side software and computers for reading the images are no longer available. On February 17, 1998, Voyager 1 reached a distance of 69 astronomical units from the Sun and overtook Pioneer 10 as the most distant man-made object from the Earth. It currently the most distant functioning space probe to receive commands and transmit information to Earth, traveling at about 17 kilometers per second or 11 miles per second. It has the fastest 
fastest heliocentric recession speed of any man-made object. As Voyager 1 headed for interstellar space, its instruments continued to study the solar system. Jet Propulsion Laboratory scientists used the plasma wave experiments on board Voyager 1 and Voyager 2 to look for the heliopause, the boundary at which the solar wind transitions into the interstellar medium. Scientists at the John Hopkins University Applied Physics Laboratory believe that Voyager 1 had entered the termination shock in February of 2003. This marks the point where the solar wind slows to subsonic speeds. Some other scientists expressed doubt discussed in the journal Nature on November 6, 2003. The issue would not be resolved until other data became available since Voyager 1's solar wind detector ceased functioning in 1990. This failure meant the termination shock detection would have to be inferred from the data from the other instruments on board. In May of 2005, a NASA press release said that the consensus was that the Voyager 1 was then in the helio sheath. In a scientific session, at the American Geophysical Union meeting in New Orleans on the morning of May 25, 2005, Dr. Ed Stone presented evidence that Voyager 1 crossed the termination shock in late 2004. This event is believed to have occurred on December 15, 2004 at a distance of 94 AUs from the Sun. On March 31, 2006, amateur radio operators from AMSAT in Germany tracked and received radio waves from Voyager 1 using the 20-meter or 66-foot dish at Bochum with a long integration technique. Retrieved data was checked and verified against the data from the Deep Space Network stationed in Madrid, Spain. This is believed to be the first such amateur tracking of Voyager 1. On December 13, 2010, it was confirmed that Voyager 1 had passed the reach of the radial outward flow of the solar wind measured by the low energy charged particle device. It is suspected that solar wind at this distance turns sideways because of interstellar wind pushing against the heliosphere. Since June 2010, detection of the solar wind had been consistently at zero, providing conclusive evidence of the event. On this date, the spacecraft was approximately 17.3 billion kilometers, or 116 astronomical units, or 10.8 billion miles from the Sun. On March 8, 2011, 
Voyager 1 was commanded to change its orientation to measure the sideways motion of the solar wind at the location in space. A test roll done in February had confirmed the spacecraft's ability to maneuver and reorient itself. The course of the spacecraft was not changed. It rotated 70 degrees counterclockwise with respect to Earth to detect the solar wind. This was the first time the spacecraft had done any major maneuvering since the family of portrait photograph of the planets was taken in the year 1990. After the first roll, the spacecraft had no problem in reordering itself with Alpha Centauri, Voyager 1's guide star, and it resumed sending transmissions back to Earth. This was a major milestone in the Voyager Interstellar program. Voyager 1 was expected to enter interstellar space at any time. Voyager 2 was still detecting outward flow of solar wind at that point, but it was estimated that in the following months or years, it would experience the same conditions as Voyager 1. On May 21, 2011, the spacecraft was reported at 12.44 degrees declination and 17.163 hours right ascension and at an elliptic attitude of 34.9 degrees. Remember that ecliptic latitude changes very slowly. Placing in the constellation Ophicius, as observed from Earth. On December 1st, 2011, it was announced that Voyager 1 had detected the first Lyman Alpha radiation originating from the Milky Way galaxy. Lyman Alpha radiation had previously been detected from other galaxies, but because of interference from the Sun, the radiation from the Milky Way was not detectable. On December 5, 2011, it was announced that Voyager 1 had entered a new region referred to as Cosmic Purgatory by NASA. With this stagnation region, charged particles streaming from the Sun slow and turn inward and the solar system's magnetic field is doubled in strength as interstellar space appears to be applying pressure. Energetic particles originating in the solar system decline by nearly half while the detection of high energy electrons from outside increases 100 fold. The inner edge of the stagnation region is located approximately 113 astronomical units from the Sun.
your journey is now ending. You are now leaving the Sapphire Planet. Goodbye from the Sapphire Planet. Own a piece of the planet. Now you can purchase Sapphire Planet merchandise online at sapphireplanet.com.